Welcome to the discussion how U.S. Cyber Command is keeping networks safe. Sponsored by MicroFocus Government Solutions. Here's today's moderator, Scott Massioni. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Command Sergeant Major Cheryl Lyon, the senior enlisted leader at U.S. Cyber Command. Uh, Sergeant Major, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you taking the time to invite me and uh, having this opportunity. So I just wanted to dive in here. I think broadly speaking, I wanted to ask you, about your cybersecurity policies, what you're really working on right now, and what your general approach to cybersecurity is. Well, Scott, so Cybercom's involved in cyber, of course, is the cybersecurity every day, uh, as does the general population. Uh, cyber never sleeps. Uh, it is always actively engaged, uh, going back and forth between us and our adversaries. So to that theme, there's a persistent engagement that we are involved in because we know that there will always be someone who's attempting to infiltrate our systems and to test our resolve. And so we enable and we act. We enable our partners. Uh, we work closely with other elements of the government as well as the private sector. Uh, then we act imposing costs on our adversaries. Uh, those costs can be in the form of time, money, and tools, and hopefully we can uh, cost them as much as possible. And we no longer wait for the enemy to come to us. Uh, we know that they will continue to press the attack, so we must take the fight to them. Uh, to this end, we are engaging in hunt port operations, and through, through that, we send our cyber operators, uh, we send them abroad to collect insights into what our adversaries are doing uh, in the gray space. Uh, this is, of course, at the request of our allies and partners. And, you know, U.S. Cyber Command has recently been uh, bumped up to a full combatant command, but it has been around for quite a while. And, you know, it, it's kind of a, a little bit of an ambiguous name, right? Uh, Cyber Command. So maybe uh, you could help our listeners and readers understand a little bit what Cyber Command does and, and how they work within the sphere of the military and just the, the nation as a whole. So Cyber Command is working to um, prevent our adversaries from gaining uh, access to our networks and our data systems, uh, which are the backbone of our uh, forces. So we are not alone in this fight. Um, cyber affects uh, the civilian sector as much as it does the military sector, the Department of Defense. So we have to be able to protect all of our assets and ensure that that we don't allow our adversaries to have a toehold uh, or to even breach uh, our networks. Because if they do, they can cause detrimental damage uh, to our abilities to conduct uh, our operations. And cyber really permeates into everyone's life, even if you think it doesn't. Uh, and I was wondering if you could just explain some of the ways that Cyber Command uh, works and how it uh, you know, really touches everyone in a way. Um, and, and some of the sort of missions that you, you uh, go after. Okay, uh, so Scott, uh, so you're right. Uh, cyber touches everybody every day. Uh, the, anyone who has a, a cell phone, a smart device, uh, an internet access uh, has the potential to be become a cyber victim. So to that end, because cyber never sleeps and it's 24 and 7, we have a joint operations system. Um, and this system, because it works 24 and 7, it enables information sharing and a quick response across the command. Uh, we are also uh, integrated with other combatant commands uh, through the cyberspace, what we call the cyberspace operations integrated planning elements. 
Um, these uh, elements are working with our combatant commands to enable us to respond quickly uh, to any type of cyber threat. Uh, we provide threat and warning uh, tip-offs, and those are not exclusive to uh, the military, to the Department of Defense. They could be a part of industry. They could be a part of academia. Uh, everyone, like we said, is affected by cyber, and has a role in cyber. So those facilities allow us to have quick response um, and to respond quickly and provide mitigation uh, to any type of uh, in intrusion. And one of the things that we've done recently um, that is worth noticing or mentioning is the Cyber Nine Line. Uh, we consider it part of the big data platform, and it enables us to share insights to threats and vulnerabilities across the United States uh, with our state National Guard uh, guardsmen. Uh, it, it's a nascent capability. It's brand new, but there are 35 states participating to date, uh, and they will continue, I think, into the future. Remember that the National Guardsmen, they, have, they are the first line of defense uh, for the homeland. And so it's important, uh, as they work with the, the Department of Homeland Security, to make sure that we have uh, capabilities uh, established. And you have these cyber mission teams that are, are within the National Guard, I believe, and also within the services, too. What sort of function do they uh, serve? So their functions are the same as uh, in the, the regular uh, services. They, one of the things I think is important to realize about our National Guard brothers and sisters is that uh, they work cyber mission, many of them, in their daily jobs. And that is in the civilian sector. Uh, they are cybersecurity for industry, government, um, academia, hospitals. You know, as we said, everybody is touched by cyber in some shape, form, or fashion. So as a, as a force, they also support the Department of Homeland uh, Security in being the first line of defense for the United States, especially when it comes to a cyber operation. And so they provide that response, uh, and it's, that's why the nine line is so important is so that we can share that information, do tipping and queuing, and enable uh, a better response and to quickly mitigate any type of um, intrusion. And I'm going to go a little bit into automation and AI here in a second. But before that, I was wondering if you could just talk about the threat landscape a little bit so people can understand really what we're faced against here. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of still have that idea of a hacker with a hoodie on, you know, um, playing on a computer. But that's not always the threat that the United States is up against. Okay, Scott. So... <clears throat> As we, as we mentioned, everybody, and I put this in layman's terms, I think, is that everybody's affected by cyber uh, who has any type of electronic device. So what we have to know about our adversaries is that they are very capable as well. Uh, they have made significant strides, and they could and can threaten our very existence uh, on a daily basis. So um, the great, great power competition uh, is... Uh, part of our existence uh, as our adversaries continue to improve their capabilities as well. It's that going back and forth, the persistent engagement that is per, uh, per, perpetually uh, involved uh, with mitigating the actions of our adversaries as they mitigate the actions that we take. Uh, so 
as we all continue to develop in this realm, as you said, technology continues to advance as well, and it must. So we are persistently engaged in this fight, uh, and uh, the great power competition is a part of our daily existence. And, and then, you know, as I was saying, you know, what is the role of automation in that? You know, as you said, there's persistent uh, attacking, persistent threats. Uh, so, you know, how are you using automation to sort of uh, be part of your cybersecurity as a command, but then also within your mission as well? So, Scott, so as you can imagine, there are terabytes upon terabytes of data that are produced during cyber operations. Uh, it's just the nature of the business. And what to do with that uh, amount of data is critical to the success. How do you quickly formulate it, manipulate it, uh, provide um, analysis from it so that it can be used to mitigate any type of intrusion uh, or to advance our efforts? Um, we have a number of capabilities that we are um, instigating. One that I um, particularly like uh, is the persistent tri cyber training environment. Uh, that's under our joint cyber warfare, um, warfighting architecture. And this endeavor, it, it, it enables us to set up a standard that, and to use the persistent cyber training environment from all that data that we gather in, and, and, and have at our um, available, available to us to help prepare our cyber warriors uh, to be able to conduct their operations. Uh, near real time, they can see what the adversary is able to develop, how they would mitigate it, uh, and it allows them to train up and be able to um, to fight in this cyber domain. In other words, we like to, to train as we fight, and that system gives them that capability. Dreamport is another one that I think is a great capability, and it's a really important tool, and the reason why is because it enables us to work with and collaborate with industry and academia who are facing the same issues. You know, we said that cyber is not strictly a uh, Department of Defense problem. It's a, it's a global problem. But Dreamport is a tool that we use to allow us to work with academia and industry to address some of those issues that are not unique just to us, but that everyone encounters. And so it's a great tool, and it allows innovation and creation, and those individuals who work there, are, uh, they are empowered to be able to use the skills that they have to develop um, mitigation techniques, platforms. And, and along with, with automation, you know, how much are you giving credence to AI? You know, I know that's a big buzzword right now, but um, you know, is it something that you're uh, considering? Is it something that's already in play for Cyber Command at this point? But Scott, do you have a, do you, you ever use the internet? <laughs> I have. <laughs> do, you, do you ever wonder why it is that you're getting this advertisement? And sometimes it's a great advertisement, and other times you're like, ooh, that's yes. kind of strange. Yeah, so that's AI, Scott. At the basis level, we all face it every day. Every time you do a keystroke on the internet, somebody's using that information to develop your likes and your dislikes. So AI for us is is greatly considered to be a force multiplier, and it is uh, it helps us with our lethality and effectiveness. So yes, um, yes, AI is real. <laughs> <laughs> and and is that something that you're um, you're using along with automation? I mean, I, I guess they go hand in hand, right? One of the things that we need to remember about artificial intelligence is that people make the AI go. Uh, it's, we use it as a force multiplier, and we consider that we'll have amplifying 
uh, lethality and effectiveness for our forces. Uh, but one of the things that we must consider is how we use it, and we must also ensure that we always follow the rule of law when we use uh, AI. So that's really important uh, to the conversation. Well, we're going to do uh, another quick break here, and then uh, we'll jump right back in and talk a little bit more about all things cybersecurity and as well as talk about uh, you know, what Cyber Command is doing in this space. So my guest today is Command Sergeant Major Cheryl D. Lyon, the Senior Enlisted Leader at U.S. Cyber Command. And I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, on the discussion, How U.S. Cyber Command is Keeping Networks Safe, sponsored by MicroFocus Government Solutions on Federal News Network. When the competitive ground shifts, you need to be ready. With MicroFocus's enterprise-grade scalable software, U.S. public sector agencies are driving their digital transformation. With MicroFocus government solutions, agencies are able to stay compliant with government regulatory mandates while enabling innovations through DevSecOps, hybrid cloud, cybersecurity, and predictive analytics software. Learn more at microfocusgov.com. That's microfocusgov.com. Welcome back to the discussion, How U.S. Cyber Command is Keeping Networks Safe, sponsored by MicroFocus Government Solutions on Federal News Network. My guest today is Command Sergeant Major Cheryl D. Lyon, the Senior Enlisted Leader at U.S. Cyber Command, and I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni. So, uh, Sergeant Major, we were talking just now about, uh, you know, how all the threats and things that you're, you're dealing with. Um, you know, I was wondering, how are you using data to drive these solutions? You talked about bringing in terabytes of information, uh, you know, using automation. Um, you know, how are you using this, this information to uh, inform your decisions? So as you can imagine, Scott, you know, cyber is not strictly a part of, as we said, something that the Department of Defense has to be worried about or industry alone. Uh, so it's also not just in a single area. So cyber is not stovepiped uh, in one domain or one organization. And so one of the things that we have to do is think about um, cyber as being a multi-domain and global uh, strategy that we must uh, can work to enable. So through that, we have what we call the Ike Project. Uh, it's a new project and being developed uh, here at Cyber Command. And it's a, it's a data tracking tool that enables quick decision making and makes use of all that big data. So the big data platforms, uh, you have to have a way to get through all that information. And so Ike will provide that ability to us, and it'll be a force multiplier for the cyber mission force. And how much do you work with, uh, you know, your sister agency is the National Security Agency, um, you know, how much are you working with them? I know that the, the leader of Cybercom is also the leader of NSA. Um, you know, do you share data? Do you share information, that sort of stuff? Scott, absolutely. And that's one of the things that um, Cyber, Cyber Command and NSA should be very proud of is their ability to share information and the, the relationships that they have developed with other government agencies as well as uh, the um, academia and industry. So that's really, really important. As mentioned earlier, uh, we're not in this alone, uh, and it's not a singular domain. So it takes uh, all of us being cognizant of the need to share uh, information, data, techniques, um, and to develop those fully. We also mentioned that technology changes on a rapidly, uh, a rapid basis. Uh, so having that collaboration enables us to better uh, respond to the uh, rapid changes that occur uh, in the cyber domain. 
I want to talk a little bit about people uh, and, and, you know, you being a leader within uh, the command. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the enlisted side of, you know, what, what you do as an enlisted person in Cyber Command and how your leadership, um, you know, really works throughout the, uh, the command itself. Uh, actually, I, I can. It's one of those things I feel very, very passionate about. And the, one of the reasons why I do is because, uh, you know, people are our greatest asset. Uh, and without them, we can't accomplish anything. So on the enlisted side of the house, uh, encouraging, recruiting, um, and bringing that talent into the services is very, very important. Uh, we have to compete with uh, industry, we have to compete with academia, and there are lots of opportunities for cyber warriors uh, in the civilian sector. So we have to be able to entice um, service members to come and want to work for the Department of Defense in some shape, form, or fashion. So being able to do things in the cyber domain, in the services, is far different than what it would be, probably be uh, within the, the civilian sector. So that's a form of, of, of an attraction uh, that helps us to bring in some of the top talent that we can use um, for the services. Uh, while many people think that extra money can help uh, to bring those individuals in, it's not always the money that's the attractor. It's about being able to be part of, a, you know, serving a mission, um, providing, as I mentioned earlier, that capability uh, to the services and um, being able to contribute to something that's bigger than themselves and that they would never ever have the opportunity to do elsewhere as I mentioned but you know being part of that team being part of the team is important and for many that's an attraction uh, on the flip side of recruiting the talent for Army Cyber or for Cyber Command is the need to retain that talent and again it's not just about the money it's about the mission it's about being able to do things that you would not be able to do anywhere else. It's about being part of that team and being contributing, again, to something that's greater than yourself. Now, the money helps sometimes, uh, but I think, you know, those three things are more important to most uh, than the money itself. And could you talk a little bit, uh, you know, being a woman in the military, which is, uh, you know, women are considered a minority in the, uh, the military, um, you know, what is that like and, and what is the importance of diversity, especially when you're talking about new technologies and, and working in an area where 50 years ago the, the government and the military weren't even aware of, right? It didn't even exist. So that is a great question, Scott. So yes, I am a woman in the military. Um, I, I will tell you, quite frankly, I have had opportunities within the military that have made all the difference for me. Uh, that have kept me coming back. Uh, I've been afforded the opportunity because I could perform, not based upon the fact that I was a woman. So that's always um, reassuring and, and uh, it's good to know that um, I've been based upon capabilities and not uh, gender. So I think that is critical to the diversity of the um, our organization and critical to its success. Uh, as you walk the halls of NSA and Cyber Command, what you'll find are some of the most intelligent people uh, I consider uh, in the world who have been empowered to, to do things and to make things happen. And I consider that to be one of the attractions of working here at this organization. And so 
along with that is what you'll find is um, the diversity among the people who work here. Uh, it's enriching. Enriching is in, uh, invaluable to um, propelling the institution forward uh, and taking advantage of how diversity contributes to the capabilities. Uh, different thought processes, different purviews, uh, different um, delivery and how things can be affect uh, the fight. So um, I think it's a great opportunity and a great place to work. Great. And, you know, the final topic I wanted to, to bring up here is, is cloud services. The clouds are obviously extremely important uh, and, you know, you're moving away from having your own managed data systems and, and using different services and commercial services. Um, so, you know, how does that, how do cloud services in general really play into your security posture? So we've mentioned already that there is a huge amount of data that is generated by cyber operations. And so what are you going to do with all that information? You have to have some place where you can um, place it and work from it with it um, to manipulate it to do the things that you need it to do, right? So um, the cloud services will play an important part uh, in our capabilities, and those are being developed uh, and built upon uh, so that we can make the most and manipulate those systems the way that we need to and see fit with the amount of data that is filling them at this time. As, as mentioned earlier, everybody is affected by cyber. Nobody is, um, is left out from the cyber domain. So what we have to realize as we work on systems, we work on inter networks, um, that we have to consider that each of those have, might have been infiltrated by the adversary. Uh, and that it, someone is out there looking for our data. So zero trust is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, don't trust uh, the networks that you work on. Consider them to have hostile, um, to be a hostile environment. And so managing those um, is important to our ability uh, to um, maintain our integrity of our systems. And as far as zero trust goes, I mean, how much do you think that will be expanding into our everyday lives? I mean, right now, we don't use uh, zero trust for everything, right? Um, you know, is that something that we're going to have to do uh, in the future, just because that's how cybersecurity is going to have to work? I think so. So, you know, one of the, the biggest thing for us, we talk about the data, we talk about the infrastructure, the amount of data, uh, the, the vitality of the networks that we operate on. You know, so for the Department of Defense, it's critically important that we protect our networks uh, and that we, um, that's why zero trust is so important, uh, is that we treat every network that we uh, operate on uh, as a hostile environment uh, so that, because if someone were able to compromise um, any of those, uh, a, a host, uh, a network, um, it could have devastating effects. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we hope to mitigate and never ever allow to happen. And you know, one of the things that I really like to ask people about is, you know, what do you see in the future? Uh, maybe you know, 10 years out or a few years out from now, um, you know, how is the military going to be changing and adapting to this domain as a warfighting domain? And, um, you know, how will the personnel be adapting as well? So, Scott, what I see, you know, 10 years from now, uh, is sometimes it's hard to think about that. We know that technology is going to be rap rapidly changing, evolving, and adap adapting. So what we have to look at is uh, the national defense strategy. Uh, it's directed us to be more lethal, 
and efficient and interoperable with our partners. And to all those effects, we are working toward and managing data for operational advantage um, and to increase our effectiveness is critical. Uh, so 10 years from now, I see us evolving with technology as well. Great. And we, we just have a couple minutes left here in the segment. So uh, I wanted to bring up something that also affects everyone, which is cyber hygiene. Um, you know, could you talk to the importance of that and maybe share a few tips that you have? So Scott, there are lots of tips. Uh, I, I was asked recently to share personal experiences. Uh, I've worked in environments where uh, my electronic devices were compromised on a regular basis just because of where I was working. So. Uh, being situationally aware is very, very important. Uh, changing passwords on a regular basis. Uh, watching what networks that you sign into, log into. Uh, you can get into your emails um, and who is sending those attachments. Uh, there's any number of things that are, are vital to your personal hygiene of your security on your cyber domain uh, that you can do uh, to protect yourself. And I think it's really important uh, the, the civilian sector, um, everybody in general, needs to be educated on what it is that they need to do to protect themselves. Right, because I mean, right. the, uh, you can be as, um, you know, as high tech as you want to be, but when it comes down to it, if someone doesn't has a password of 1212, that's your entry point, right? Yes, you're absolutely right. Changing that password regularly helps. And not having your daughter's birth date as your uh, password also helps. Uh, your dog's birth date or your dog's name is helpful. Don't do that either. Uh, so, yes, there are uh, any number of things that people should be aware of, and sometimes I think we take that for granted that they are. And I think we would be disappointed to find out that they are not really um, sometimes very savvy about the things that they can do to help protect themselves. And, and just finally, anything you'd like to say to young cyber professionals right now, uh, people maybe in high school or thinking about going into STEM um, and why the military might be a good uh, path to go? So I highly encourage uh, STEM. Uh, and if you don't have the STEM program, I think there are lots, but there are some places who don't. I think it's a great opportunity um, with the, the modern um, technology that is evolving uh, anybody can be a part of it. Uh, we talked about diversity uh, within the, the workforce and how it um, contributes to the development, um, be it the cyber domain, uh, mitigating those um, uh, attacks that might occur. But there are those who I would highly encourage them to, to do it. They would have great opportunities. Um, they would be able to do the things that they might not ever be able to do in the civilian sector. Uh, and they would become a part of a great team. So I highly encourage our young young teenagers, adults, uh, to work that way. Uh, Cybercom uh, and NSA both have great internship programs um, that I had I known about as a young person, I would have been highly interested in because I think it would have been a great uh, starting point for some of those things. Great. Well, Sergeant Major, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I'd like to thank today's guest, Command Sergeant Major Cheryl D. Lyon, the Senior Enlisted Leader at U.S. Cyber Command. I'm your moderator, Scott Massioni, and you're listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Microfocus.
Thank you for listening to the discussion, How U.S. Cyber Command is Keeping Networks Safe, sponsored by Microfocus Government Solutions on Federal News Network.